Shravya, I have a question for you. Yeah, what is it? So, if you were in the middle of a life-changing event and your necklace or bracelet broke, would you wait 10 minutes to fix it? Uh, no, I'm aware of my priorities. Oh god, you should speak to Barbie K. She needs a lesson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. All right. Hello, everyone. Today, it's January 23rd, our time, January 24th, um, Melbourne time. And we're currently recording in the midst of some exciting random 16 matches right now. Currently, two of our favorite players, Danielle Collins and Elise Mertens, are playing right now in a locked in a third set. Um, so that's exciting. We'll be happy with whatever result comes out of that. But this is episode 83. And we're really excited because the tennis has been awesome these past couple of days, this past week. It's so exciting to see vaccinated players doing the best that they can on court and playing in these conditions. Um, but while there has been overwhelmingly positive results and positive energy from down under, something has happened recently that we do want to shed light on. So some spectators or a spectator was wearing a Peng Shui shirt on the grounds of the Australian Open to sort of obviously show their support and, you know, raise awareness. And the security at the Australian Open said that they're not allowed to wear that shirt and that they can't have that on premises. And that's obviously fishy because um, the WTA obviously made some really strong actions to support Peng Shui and advocate for her safety, yet to see a Grand Slam taking action against a fan wearing that shirt is definitely not reassuring and certainly not what we'd like to see upheld in the sport when one of their own former contestants um, is not safe. And King Nicholas Mahout, who we love so much, even tweeted about this and pointed out that the Australian Open, one of their biggest sponsors, 1573, is a Chinese-based company. So, obviously, not uh, it's a weird, sticky situation. It's just one fan, just a t-shirt, but a lot to unpack there, and we wanted to bring it to the forefront because this Peng Shui story really shouldn't be forgotten so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And it was so concerning to see that, especially since... The whole issue regarding Peng Shui is censorship, and they basically censored the person who was wearing that t-shirt out of the tournament, or out of the stadium. Um, But yeah, that was definitely concerning and odd, especially considering that we thought that we've made strides, you know, in the media and in general, especially with the Steve Simon decision to pull out of um, China with those tournaments. And then we have this from the Australian Open, it was definitely ridiculous and disturbing but um like you said we do have a lot of tennis awaiting discussion from this past week because the Australian Open is well in swing and first we're going to talk about the WTA and round of 16 matches you know because we're moving into the second week we have some uh matches going on right now that would decide quarterfinals and we also have some quarterfinals decided already from last week so first up we have ash barty the first seed versus jessica pagula the 21st seed yes and i mean these are two players that we really like um obviously the barty party Back fast forward a year ago, she was kind of coming back after quite some time off um, and seemed a little bit shaky on her home soil, but she's the favorite to win this tournament. And an Australian hasn't won the Australian Open in 58 years, I think. I think that is the stat. Fact check me on it. But it is, it's been a long time. 
since an Australian has won the Australian Open. And right now, the pressure does not seem to be phasing her because, you know, she's been playing like the favorite to win the tournament and like the world number one that she is. She's already racked up three breadsticks. And in her last match, her round of 16, which was highly anticipated and people thought it was going to be the Barty-Osaka match, was actually Barty versus Amanda Anisimova, where Ash won 6-4, 6-3. And... You know, we can talk all about Barty's game here and stellar play. She held 63 consecutive service games um, up until the point that Amanda broke her in the second set, so props to her. Um, but there's often kind of been talk this season about Anisimova and how well she's been doing, so we do want to highlight that as well, um, because her father passed away um, quite recently, and she really did struggle with that last season and didn't have the results she was hoping for, especially after her breakthrough on the junior scene, being the world number one in juniors and the Roland Garros semifinals in 2019, but it was really nice to see her pick up this form. Yeah, definitely, and like you said, she... First, her father passed away, and then I think either before or after that, she was diagnosed with COVID. So it was just a long stretch of really difficult times for her. But to see her thriving again is amazing. And she even upset Naomi Osaka, the 13th seed, um, 4-6-6-3-7-6 in the third round, I believe. So it's amazing to see that she stepped up her game once again. Um. And then we have the other quarterfinalist in this mass match, Jessica Pagula. <laughs> the, the pandemic is getting to your head. It really is. Um, so we have Jessica Pagula, who made the quarterfinal at the Australian Open for the second consecutive year. And last year, she lost out to the finalist, Jen Brady, in the quarters, who unfortunately is on... You know, she's recovering, I think, her foot or her ankle, something like that. Yeah, she's yeah. out till March, which is really yeah. sad. It really is, because, I mean, last year she did amazing. It would have been awesome mm-hmm. to see her here again. But mm-hmm. to see another American taking her place, basically, and two Americans, actually, we'll talk about the Potentially three. Later. Potentially three, even, if oh, yeah. Danielle pulls through. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of Americans, honestly. Yeah, and also Americans that... Three years ago, you wouldn't have expected, right? Yeah, but at the same time, now they're showing consistent results, and it's awesome to see that Mm -hmm. they've not just made, like, one big breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So um, Jessica Pagula defeated Maria Sakari, the fifth seed, 7-6-6-3, in the round of 16, which was an amazing win. She won the first set tiebreak, 7-0. And to be honest, I've always thought that like how players perform in tie breaks is definitely a representation of, you know, their mental fortitude, how they can stick it out. So this is, it was definitely promising to see. And then last year, uh, Jessica defeated number five, Alina Svitolina to make the quarters. So I guess <laughs> beating fifth seeds are her strength. I don't know. Maybe. It's just a weird stat. I like that. Yeah. No, that thing about the seven zero and her mental fortitude is a good point. I remember I was playing a tiebreak in a match last weekend, and I was up 5-2 and lost it. So clearly, Jessica is doing a bit better than I am. You had a lot of uh, tennis on your mind, though, you know, the Australian exactly. Open going on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I had better things to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say, I mean, this match is really exciting, this Barty versus Pagula match. Um, they have played before, um, but... I, there was a lot of interesting tennis to go behind this. I think we're definitely going to be seeing more Maria Sakari. I don't think, I mean, it wasn't. It was a shaky performance from her, but I still think that she could, you know, yeah, really bring her definitely. strongest tennis this season. And also, we're not going to go too in depth into it, but um, Osaka had a really positive attitude after her loss, and also just a great win for Anisimova. And um, oh, my thing about you know the an Australian player not be winning in 58 years. I had the eight right and the big number right, but it, the stat is that Ash is playing to become the first female Australian Open champion um, from Australia since 1978, so even more than 58 years. Um, but, yeah, we'll see if she can make that history. But then we've got another interesting matchup with Barbara Krejcikova, the fourth seed, versus Madison Keys. And, I mean, Krejcikova came kind of out of nowhere, um, but... 
she is proving that she is here to stay and can perform consistently. I mean, she, her performance against Victoria Azarenka, who was playing so well, um, but who also kind of had a little bit of some sort of injury going on, um, she demolished her. Her get like she there was no flaw in how she played. Six two six two easy win over the twenty fourth seed. Um and this was especially impressive as I said because Vika was totally dominating the field um before this match. Uh taking out Alina Svitolina and a with also like a bagel and a pretty pretty harsh scoreline. So an amazing win for Krajikova and she is really cementing herself as a contender at this tournament. But it wasn't without some drama, as is always with our fave, Crage, Barbie K, Barb, oh Barbs, Barbara, however you want to refer to her as. Yeah, so um, if you haven't heard about it, there was a little issue with a necklace. So basically, there's a new three-minute toilet break, toilet break rule, and there's an option to ask for five minutes if the player is changing into new clothes. So Barbara came back <laughs> i don't know why i said it like that but barbara barbie came, k yeah barbie k barb as i like to call her barbed wire is the energy <laughs> she gives me <laughs> that was mean but um yeah so she took an eight minute toilet break that should have been three leading to a code violation which is the first one of this new rules so you know Breaking she's ground. making history she's, out here wow amazing i can't believe like, it like tennis she's hall an of innovator. fame keep an eye out for this woman Mm-hmm. and her excuse you ask her necklace broke <laughs> yeah that's it she even showed it to the umpire she like shoved the necklace in her the umpire's face it was eight funny. minutes eight minutes i mean at that point you just abandon it you come back yeah. for it later I mean, Barbara has a trend of taking these uh, breaks sometimes. Oh boy. People yeah. comment about her gamesmanship, but I mean, she's playing well. Um, she's doing great. Honestly, the WTA, I think just a few days ago, released a really funny sort of video thing of like two truths and a lie with a bunch of the players kind of taking part in it. And um, Krejcikova was one of them. And her answers and her like attitude during it was so funny. So one of the lies that like in her truth, truths and lie was like, I have forgotten my tennis bag before a match once or something like that. And then when she revealed what the lie was, she obviously revealed that that's what it was. And she said, no, of course I haven't lost my tennis bag before a match. Before before a match. I'm not that stupid. And then she started laughing. And it was really, I don't know, it was funny. You have to watch it to see how funny it was. But, um, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a moment. So she definitely has, I like the the character that she brings to the WTA tour. <laughs> the character. Yes. <laughs> the spice. So, yes, the spice. So actually, fun fact, you know that, like, Krejcikova is also an accomplished doubles player, and her partner and her, Sinyakova, they're set to play Danielle Collins and Desiree Krauchik in the third round of doubles. So that's just interesting that these two are both in both, um, what's it called, tournaments. At the Australian Do we Open. know if, do we know, I mean, I love Collins and Krauchik, but do we know if Salisbury and Krauchik are playing mixed doubles in this draw? We are, Josephina and I are big fans of the two of them as a mixed doubles duo. We have some theories that maybe they're more than just mixed doubles partners, <laughs> but at the same time, Desiree is married, so that is probably not true, but we like to... Wait, you didn't tell me that. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, mean, I completely was, believed you. It would, it would be a... I don't know. I just, like, Daria Gavrilova, oh, now Daria They lost Seville. in the first round. Oh, that's so And they sad. were first maybe, seeds. Maybe they're having some... Issues. Relationship problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. I mean, there's there have been, like, couples who play double, make doubles together before. Like, oh, there was... Um, Daria Saville and Luke Saville. Yeah, they were the playing Australian. at this... Um, they were right. wild cards, and they're yeah. married. That was awesome. Yeah, and, and Isla and Mateo said they were going to at some point. So it's not, like, impossible. It's not... It's Maybe it's just, like... I don't know. You see the player squatting in front of the net, or you see your player whispering to you where they want you to serve. <laughs> Maybe that turns the, the partners only, on. Only you would make <laughs> mixed doubles intimate. 
Okay. <laughs> um, anyways, so that's enough about mixed doubles, Barbara doubles, Barbara singles, Barbie K necklace drama. <laughs> um, but let's talk about who she is going to be playing in her quarterfinal match. So she's going to be playing Madison Keys, and yes, she is back, and we're so happy to see it, hear it, you know, experience it, know it, just all that, um, you know, five senses. I don't know why I went off on that, but um, like we said, it's amazing to see so many Americans doing well in Australia this year, and, you know, she did not have a great 2021, so to see her, you know, like back and at it is has been amazing she had that Adelaide title last week one of those Australian Open warm-up tournaments that really set the tone for her 2022 you know Aussie stay so if you add that up actually with her Aussie Open wins she's won nine consecutive matches so what a way to start 2022 and you know really set the tone for the rest of the year and Mm -hmm. I mean her round of 16 match I don't know this must have been really tearing for Shravian because I know she's huge fans of both players so yes so yeah it was um she defeated Paula Badosa the eighth seed 6-3-6-1 so that was 69 minute win and she was just completely dominant and this win made her makes her achieve or get to her first Australian Open quarterfinal since 2018 and eighth Grand Slam quarterfinal overall so pretty cool yeah I mean she definitely has momentum on her side it's a matter of how far it can carry her but it's I mean she's looking amazing so far she hits the ball the hardest out of any of these women a lot of people kind of equate her playing style with Del Potro on the men's side which I really like um kind of that comparison they have huge serves huge forehands um and just big ground strokes overall so love to we love to see that kind of ball bashing play um but you know we'll see how she does against Krejcikova but um as far as I mean those are the two quarterfinals that are set but now we have some round of 16 action going on today slash tonight slash Melbourne Monday um including Elise Mertens, the 19th seed, versus Danielle Collins, the 27th seed. We were reflecting on this a little bit earlier. Um, They're both two players that we really like and um, consider some of our favorites and had kind of tough 2021s for on the singles side for Elise, at least, um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, Elise has had better singles performances, but she did really well on the doubles tour last year, including winning Indian Wells. And, I mean, she's showing here that she's back at it on the singles court, too. Um, she's yet to drop a set at the Australian Open, except, obviously, in this match right now, where they're in the middle of a very close third set. Um, and then we have Danielle slash Danielle slash the Danimal who you know we've talked about this before but one of the reasons I admire her so much is I mean she played college tennis she's always been a vocal sort of um outspoken you know figure in the sport around topics like sexism or kind of respect for a lot of the players who paved the path for American women's tennis or women's tennis in general and she also throughout her career has been battling endometriosis flare-ups and had to go under had to undergo emergency surgery last year to deal with that endometriosis and came back to the tour and won a couple titles and now is doing so well in the second week of the slam which isn't foreign territory for her so really happy to see her back on the court she had an amazing match versus one of our gen z faves clara towson in the third round and i mean josephina and i absolutely loved the game that we saw from both of them, but also just the potential that Clara showed on the court and that Danielle definitely paid credit to later. Yeah, it was just, it was such a high-level match from both players, but it really did come down to experience, and Danielle has more of that naturally. She's been on the tour for longer, but um, Clara's only 19. She has so much time, and these Australian Open results were so promising, so... It was definitely amazing to see, and she was one of the five players that we picked actually for the um, WTA Gen Z breakouts of 2021, mm-hmm. and she definitely she um, stood up to the plate. Um, 
but we've seen Danielle here before. She um, made her breakout um, result at the semifinals of the 2019 Australian Open. So to see her again at the Australian Open thriving is definitely amazing. And like you said, she's battled so many obstacles throughout her career, especially recently. And it's so inspiring to see a player like her um, really getting through that and battling through now she can focus on tennis and we see how that has helped her game because she has one thing on her mind and that's the title yeah and i i just i I'm, i love the feistiness that she brings on court it's hilarious and then sometimes <laughs> like i was i was watching so the match just now she was like fired up in the first set and then at the beginning of it when she was winning and then as soon as she started kind of losing and throughout the entire second set i didn't hear a single signature danielle come on k-a-m-a-n i didn't hear her sing her one so her and she's also been clutching at her hip i don't know if she's feeling okay because whatever it, it's she's she's such an interesting player to watch the and, racket bounce I mean, that she does is like... yes it's not a racket smash she literally just like boinks it and it just like you know jumps back up <laughs> She's, she's an eclectic one, and I mean, whoever comes out of that match, Elise or Danielle, um, good on them for really showing their strongest tennis here. Um, all right, let's get through the rest of the WTA draw. We've got our next round of 16 upcoming. Simona Halep, the 14th seed, versus Elise Cornet. Last year was okay for Simona, but this one, she's really started off with a bang. She took the title at Melbourne a week ago and is now into the second week here. Obviously, she made this final here just four years ago in 2018. Um, and people are really considering her a possible favorite for this title. She made a coaching change. Uh, she and Darren Cahill, who had a very successful coaching partnership, um and who remain really close friends on the tour um split up and darren cahill actually joined on with anisimova at the beginning of this year so darren knows what he's doing um but Halep, you know, took out Danka Kovinich 6-2, 6-1 in the third round, who upset Raducanu in the second. Um, so Halep's looking really good. And then Elise Cornet is actually chasing history here. Um, she's had a pretty amazing run so far, and she's really going after some big numbers. Yeah, so she defeated Tamara Zidantek, the 29th seed, on in the third round to make the second week on her birthday, actually, and... Last time she made the Australian Open round of 16 was 2009, so definitely has been a while. But um, That's when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> that's an, So then I was in pre-K. That makes it easy for me to do math. <laughs> so, um, so basically, like Shravia said, she is looking to make... To, break some records uh she wants to break the record of most consecutive grand slam main draw appearances and hers date back to 2007 so that would be 62 and she actually said she'll probably retire after this year's u.s open because that will mark her 63rd straight grand slam which is that's i can't even imagine it's just imagine like you know so many players we see battling through injuries, even the young ones. And the fact that she's been able to remain injury-free, been able to compete at these Grand Slam man draw appearances, and is so close to um, breaking that record of 62, it's, it's you know... And also to see someone have a love for the game for that long, that's, that's really, really doing some... Um, I don't know, I guess, I don't know how to put it, but I, because it's hard for at least us to conceptualize someone playing for that long. Yeah, um, 63 but, straight Grand Slams. I can't even imagine. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, all right, our next round of 16 is Iga Shuantek, the seventh seed versus Serana Cristea. I have polar opposite feelings for both of these players. Iga, I mean, let's go. I mean, we love her so much. Josefina's pick to win the tournament, and obviously she's doing amazingly. Um, breezing through her draw has not been broken, and she's made the round of 16 in three consecutive years, but the run ended there at each time, so let's see if she can go further. Cristea is a tricky opponent, but definitely a better sort of option than uh, some of the other threats she kind of had looming in her section of the draw earlier um and the only loss that she's had so far this season is to Barty so nothing to really be disappointed in there so we'll see how she continues 
Yeah, and then we have Serana Cristea, who has been the upset train. I mean, in the first round, she defeated Kvitova, the 20th seed, 6-2-6-2. Third round, she defeated um, Pavluchenkova, the 10th seed, 6-3-2-6-6-2. So now, round of 16, hopefully she runs out of steam because <laughs> I want my pick to continue through the draw. And um, it's interesting to see because Iga Sviatek, you know, she's one of those Gen Z players. She's 19 and uh, Kirstea is 31. And she says that often people ask her about her age because she's um, not even one of the older ones on tour. I don't know why they ask her about her age. But yeah, uh, I mean, either way, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, she said, in tennis, everyone often mentions your age or how many years ago you got a certain result. I don't like this. There is no number that can define me. I enjoy doing what I'm doing, and I think that's all that matters. I still love playing and competing, so I don't think she's running out of time anytime soon, and honestly, she's one of those players that comes into the draw just to cause a mess. (laughs) We always highlight her as a dark horse pick. I feel like we've said that a lot. So that goes to show you that she's not going anywhere. And speaking of dark horse bigs, Kaya Kadepi is yeah, still here. Like, literally every single Australian Open, she wants to come, or Grand Slam here and there, she wants to come and cause chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a theory that she got jealous of Annette, her fellow Estonian. So she was like, <laughs> I'm going to show you what, how it's really done. Um, she defeated the 2016 Australian Open champion Kerber in the first round in straight sets. And, I mean, she comes into Grand Slams, causes all these upsets, gets in the second week, and then goes back to playing ITF tournaments the next yeah, week. I just don't so understand. Interesting. I saw a hilarious tweet that was like, if Kanepi takes this title, you know her schedule is going to look like ITF 25K, ITF 50K, and then Roland Garros. That's what her <laughs> schedule for the next few months will look like. Yeah, she's uh, definitely interesting. So, um, yeah, she... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> Kanepi. Yes. I don't really have anything else to say about her. No, there's really not much else to say. But I do have something to say about her upcoming opponent, Arena Sabalenka. Nice transition, right? Uh, that was. She is the second seed. You know, she's lost the first set of every match she's won at this year's Australian Open. So maybe this shows that she's not letting, you know, the momentum of the match take over her as we've seen in the past because she's a very unpredictable and emotional player. But um, I think we completely counted her out in the Australian Open preview episode, honestly, because she is such, like I said, an unpredictable player but now she's matching her best Australian Open result and I mean this Australian Open could possibly be part of her recent Grand Slam breakthroughs you know making the U.S. Open and Wimbledon semifinals last year and (laughs) something funny actually was that after her third round win she said I'm really happy right now mostly really happy that I made only 10 double faults (laughs) because those have been plaguing her and um Luckily, she's been able to make it through this far, even with that amount of double faults. Yes. Um, And honestly, kudos to her for kind of getting through this issue and still gritting it out in these matches, um, despite losing the first set and not having her serve where it usually is. Um, But to kind of wrap up our discussion of the WTA, we're just going to quickly go through how our faves so far have fared, not failed, some of well, them. some of them. <laughs> well, um, within about an hour of each of each each of each other on day three, um, both Muguruza the third seed and Annette Contevate the sixth seed lost in the that second round painful. in straight sets to Cornet and Towson respectively. Leila Fernandez lost in the first round to Australian wildcard Madison Inglis. Um, Osaka obviously lost to Anisimova. Uh, Badosa lost to Keys, as we said, um, but. That's not really that concerning considering Keyes' level and Bedosa was also... I mean, she even said in her press conference that's like that... I mean, she couldn't do anything because Madison was playing so well. And an honorable mention here, uh, hometown Aussie Sam Stoser, who was a wild card in this tournament, um, retired from her singles career at this tournament. She's a former top 10 player. She was in the top 10 for 165 weeks and won the 2011 U.S. Open. 
Um, so sad to see her go, but also it was a really sweet moment after her match versus Pavlyuchenkova, where the crowd was really sort of supporting her and, and giving her the farewell that she deserves. Yeah, that was really awesome to see, especially considering what a staple she's been on the tour. But honestly, the fact I really like that she didn't retire from her doubles career as well. So Mm -hmm. we get to see her strive somewhere else now. But um, now that we've covered that, we have to talk about who our favorites are to win the tournament. And honestly, I don't Mm -hmm. think they've changed except for one. Because first we have Ash Barty. Obviously, it's always the Barty party. And she's thriving. So I. Yeah, she literally looks unbeatable. Yeah, that's not going to change. And then we have Iga Sviatek, who hasn't dropped a set. She's Mm -hmm. held every game. And I mean, she's also looking super strong. So I'm really glad that she was my pick. Uh, And hopefully, she can keep that up. And then our third one is. I guess I would say Madison Keys, honestly. Like, she's on fire. She's undefeated so far this season. Um, You know, she's really been able to get her game in check. And mentally, she seems in a great place, too. So I do think that she can take out Barbara Krejcikova in her next round match. Um, But it's really... The, both of them kind of it i i see i i could totally see a title run for whoever comes out of that but for some reason i see keys being the one who's able to do so i'm so scared of the barbed wire <laughs> <laughs> all right now let's talk about the atp there's also been a lot that's gone on there um and we have a couple of round of 16 matches that already completed, and we've got some quarterfinals set. And we've also got some action later to come tonight. So let's talk about the first quarterfinal that's been set up. So we have Gael Monfils, the 17th seed, versus Matteo Berrettini, the 7th seed. And I mean, oh my god, Gael has been playing like perfect tennis. He's succeeding, and you know, he's had such a tough year last year, and then to just appear on tour again this year like this has been amazing especially since we're such huge Gael fans um Mm -hmm. and you know he's coming off of that title in Adelaide um so he has he's his record is eight to one in matches in 2022 and he hasn't dropped a set all tournament he's just wow he's just thriving he defeated Miramir Kachmanovic, the uh, lucky loser and fellow Serbian who replaced Djokovic in the draw, 7-5-7-6-6-3. So let's just pretend that Gael Monfils defeated the first seed because that's <laughs> exactly. essentially what happened. Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of Djokovic, we don't want to spend much time talking about him, but they did do an SNL skit of him with Pete Davidson as Novak being interviewed on Fox News. I had high hopes uh, for it, but it was just bad. Like, it just wasn't funny. I mean, yeah, it's, like, a difficult situation. Even we had, like, a hard time making it funny on the podcast. It was just ridiculous. It wasn't funny. Yeah. The situation. Now... Oh my god, Danielle Collins. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh god. Okay. There's my daily heart attack. Okay. Okay. I've been staring both of us have been staring at the score the whole time, trying so hard to like mask our tension. Cause obviously, you know, we both like both players. I think I was yeah. more on the Collins side in this one, but I was dead even, wow. honestly. Yeah, wow. I'm expecting you to do a a celebration post tomorrow morning or later about Danielle winning so that I can repost. Okay. Um, Anyways, speaking of my favorite players, Gail Mumpies will be facing off against Matteo Berrettini, a rematch of their amazing, I don't know what else word to, what other word to describe it, thrilling, a U.S. Open quarterfinal in 2019. Um where Berrettini kind of made his breakthrough at the slam level. Um, Berrettini has actually had a decently tough draw, and he started the tournament with a stomach illness, but came through. And, I mean, his most notable match certainly was his third-round win versus Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, a lot of people, most people, were considering Mateo the underdog in that match, and it was crazy. 6-2-7-6-4-6-2-6-7-6, winning 10-5 in the match tiebreak. And, I mean, Carlos... First of all, 
Josephine and I, along with a lot of other tennis fans, are so sick of this Carlos Rafa parallel. Like, yeah, just because they're, they're Spanish just players. and just because they're doing well, like and in we're their young teams. years, exactly. Like it just it that doesn't mean that they're whatever. Um, <laughs> even Alcaraz said himself. Honestly, I feel like I play more like Federer than I do like Nadal. Not um, even he's like a powerhouse. You know, he's yeah, and then. Like, Rafa has that consistency, like, topspin thing going on. It's just completely different style. He's I don't He's just understand. his own player. I yeah. just, I, I, in general, just dislike, like, he's the next blank, or she's the next blank. Like They used to say Shapo thing. was the next Federer because of his one-handed backhand. Mm-hmm. Just no. Or Dimitrov. They used to call yeah. Dimitrov oh, baby fed. Yeah. No, or like just the things absolutely like, not. Or, like, Coco Golf is the next Serena, like, no. That also has its own yeah. other under- <laughs> racial undertones yeah. to it that are just, like, so distasteful. But anyways. Um, so, yeah, Carlos made a really spirited comeback after down two sets. And I didn't know this until today, but Berrettini rolled his ankle in the fifth set in the so second game. So he's just game. immortal. He's just Yeah, immortal. and stomach stomach illness, rolled ankle, wow. doesn't phase him. And a really great performance from both, definitely. And this is a big confidence win for Mateo as well. Um he then followed that up with a straight sets win over PCB, Pablo Busta, to reach the quarters, and becoming the first ever ATP player born in the 1990s, aka Next Gen. Um, no, not Next Gen. I take that mm. back. Um, the first ever ATP player born in the 1990s to reach the quarterfinals at every major, and the only active player in addition to Nadal and Djokovic to make the quarterfinals at all their last all their past four Grand Slam appearances. Okay. So definitely proving okay. that he is here to stay at the top level, um, you know, can play on all services. But enough of that. I mean, these are two guys that we both love. It's really happy to see that they're leading the ex-Djokovic section of the draw. Um, and, I mean, I'm excited for this. I think it's a great person to have in the semifinals either way. Yeah. And that could, the same can be said for this next quarterfinal in this portion. Wow. I'm just so happy with the Australian Open on the men's side this year and on the women's side. Just overall, great vibes. So, yeah, our next quarterfinal is Denis Shapovalov, the 14th seed, versus Rafael Nadal, the 6th seed. And first of all, before we talk about what a great matchup that is, we need to talk about Denis insert middle name Shapovalov I'm not sure what his <laughs> middle name is but um he defeated Alexander Zverev 6-3 7-6 6-3 known as the Zverev like yes that's Zverev what rat, that is what he is or the trash I mean Shapo can he can look forward to a career of a being a sanitation truck with the way that he <laughs> took out, <laughs> you need to up your trash talk because that was that trash was trash talk. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh my that's god, good. usually the dad jokes are my thing. That's, no, that's off good. my ground. No, wow, but, yeah, okay, I mean, but um, yeah, any and all Zverev slander, even if it's as poorly executed as mine, is appreciated. That's true. Because, yeah. But um, we don't even need to slander him because Shapo did it Shapo for did us. Shapo did it for us. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Alexander Zverev was, I don't know why I said it, his full name, but he was actually serving for the second set, but then double faulted twice in that game. So, you know, he took care of himself. And Zverev still has yet to be a top 10 player at a Grand Slam. So he just can't step it up at that level. But, um, yeah, definitely interesting. And what's even more interesting is that his brother, Misha, is a commentator on Eurosport TV. And he was saying that Shapo would be a good match for Zverev to prepare for playing Rafa. So that aged well for them. But, um... Yikes. <laughs> yeah, just the way... Like, just to talk about Shapovalov now, the way his game has, like, really matured. Because, you know, he's always been that player that... It's like, oh, you know, he's really nice to watch. He's all about the highlight reels, but he's never actually going to make it. But now he's showing that he's matured. He can get through those big wins. He can keep his tennis at that top level, as he showed even since the ATP Cup. So 
it's just awesome to see one of our favorite players really starting to step it up and show that they're here to stay. And he has had some really long and tough first three matches, but now he's pulled off some impressive wins. So it shows that he's showed like stamina and continuity, something that we've been lacking from him before and now he's showing and it's really promising for his future no I'm really excited this is a great start to the season for Dennis um I think that it's hilarious to me and kind of on brand for him that his easiest win his only straight sets win so far at this tournament has been against the world number three um but he has the skill level he skill level he has the passion he has the tools it's just often about how he controls his game plan and sometimes being too aggressive sometimes not picking the smart shots and sometimes getting in his own head but when he's able to sort of execute what needs to be executed like this guy is i mean I would love to see him really rise up the ranks this year. Um, now his opponent is going to be Rafael Nadal, um, who defeated Adrian Minerino 7-6, 6-2, 2 But that 7-6 wasn't just a regular 7-6. That tie break went on for 28 minutes to 16-14. I watched most of it. It was some amazing tennis. I mean, really props to Adrian Minerino because just the way that he's able to redirect the ball without adding much of his own pace but kind of just absorbing his own he kind of he makes people move he works with angles he hits these crazy winners he's so consistent very few unforced errors it's it's an art truly um and it took rafa seven set points to take that tie break and that set um but i mean Manorino, again, he was coming off of a 4-hour and 38-minute win versus Karatsev in his previous match, which had ended at 2.33 a.m. Melbourne time the day before. Like, the fact that I was in school in, like, my, still second, watching pe- it. Like, in my <laughs> yeah. second period class and still seeing the scores go on, I was like, this is, like, are we at the French Open or at Wimbledon or something? Because this isn't supposed to be happening. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as far as Nadal... I just feel like he is going so under the radar here. I mean, the fact that he could be capturing his 21st Grand Slam title and is playing so well. I mean, he played so well versus Kachanov in his previous round two, really turning up the level after he dropped a set. I mean, the fact that he could capture his 21st, complete the double career Grand Slam, and, you know, put himself at the top of the race in the men's singles Grand Slam titles, I mean, that's a big deal. And obviously the Australian Open has kind of been his kryptonite, but... Like this is this is amazing, and this matchup that's about to happen with Chapo and Rafa, I mean, it really kind of brings back the memories of Chapo's origins at the Rogers Cup, and I think it was two thousand seventeen. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, where Chapo, right. yeah, where Chapo broke through on the tour by defeating Rafa, um, mm-hmm. and I think like the semis or something of that tournament. I mean, I'm so excited for this matchup. Like this is like firepower meets firepower and i just know the crowd's gonna go wild yeah that match is going to be insane and i look forward to it but um yeah definitely great from both players and our next round of six or our next match is a round of 16 match that's upcoming alex demonor the 32nd seed versus yannick sinner the 11th <laughs> seed and <laughs> wow Wow, wow, wow. You know, our whole brand is like, you know, we're the Gen Z podcasts. We love our upcoming tennis players. And to put two of our favorites into one match is not okay. It's not okay. I honestly do not know who I want to win here. Because actually, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna root for Demon because he, it's his home, it's his home turf. He deserves it. It's Australia. He's never, maybe, hopefully he gets this chance again. But this year, it would be amazing for him to make that huge breakthrough. And it's so awesome to see Demon having success again. Last year was a mess for him. And he's even been drawing, like, the Demon emoji on the camera after his wins, the ones that he adds on all his tweets and Instagram posts. So it's awesome to see that he's, like, well aware of his reputation as the Demon. And, I mean, Yannick has also looked in really great form. Both players have only dropped one set so far, which is so impressive. And, yeah, like I said, it's 
it's a battle of our favorites, but um, like I said, we have to root for Demon here. Yeah. He no matter how much last we love year. Yannick. Yeah, he had a rocky season last year. I mean, this is his home soil. I He looks so happy on the court. He like, looks I would, so happy. Yeah, it's just, you can see that he's kind of feeling it, and I would love to see him go further. Um, and our next round of 16 match is with another one of our favorites, Taylor Fritz, the 20th seed, versus Stefano Tsitsipas, the 4th seed. Shockingly, in my opinion, Taylor is in the second week of a slam for the first time. I think his recent form makes it kind of hard to believe that he hasn't done this before, but he's kind of carrying through from the end of last season at, at Indian Wells and kind of bringing it to, was it? Yeah, it was Indian Wells and kind of that period and bringing this skill and this uh, this performance to Australia, and we love to see it. I mean, what I love about him, especially out of the crop of Amer- young American players, um is and out of kind of just male tennis players in general he's one who isn't afraid to show his emotions not at all like like andy murray like federer like (laughs) even nadal to some extent like it's just it's so nice to see that because it's it's like sweet and endearing and you know you see how much it means to him it's just maybe that's just us being girls and being like oh my gosh emotions yay but also (laughs) but, but also (laughs) but also I think a lot of it is just like it's nice to see that you know I think sport in general just there's so much toxic masculinity surrounding it whenever like these sort of little things in my opinion matter a lot like to see Andy Murray cry matters like that's that's that shows that shows something yeah like to see these players like thank their family and like start their voice breaking when they talk about it or about achievements and you know Andy literally started crying last week yeah. Yeah, when speaking about yeah. his family, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, and speaking about family, um, Taylor Fritz had some very kind words to say about Roberto Bautista Agut, who he defeated in five sets in the third round. Um, his reaction afterwards was precious. I mean, you could see how much it meant to him, and he said in his press conference afterwards, it is a huge win. It seems stupid, but after winning the match, I was on the verge of tears. It seems stupid because a lot of people have reached the second round of a gra- the second week of a Grand Slam, um, but it is something that is but it is something um, that seemed to avoid me for a long time. It means a lot to me, and to do it in front of someone who has practically been my father for my entire professional career. <laughs> so, Daddy RBA, I guess. So, does that make RBA Jordan Fritz's? grandfather yes it does, it does. Right? <laughs> jordan fritz is so cute oh my god their christmas that picture baby, was everything that baby is adorable uh yeah oh my god and we didn't even talk about leo as just oh yeah that he invaded Making his appearance at the press conference yeah and they were both wearing sunglasses i'm like a hundred percent sure that he requested that that they were both <laughs> wearing sunglasses that was amazing yeah but, um, yeah, Taylor Fritz's opponent is Stefano Sissabus. Maybe you've heard of him. He is the fourth seed <laughs> at this Australian Open. And he honestly is going under the radar because, you know, people are doubting his potential after the ATP finals because of his ATP elbow. Cup. ATP, ATP Cup. Yeah, because yeah. of his elbow injury. But, um, yeah, because that has been bothering him for a bit. But he's looking good. It looks like he's... Um, even if he hasn't gone and passed it, he's masking the pain well. <laughs> he's had some pretty tough opponents. Uh, Emir, Sebastian Baez, the next-gen ATP final semifinalist, Benoit Pair. Benoit Pair. We always see his name. <laughs> Can't escape him. Um, no. But <laughs> definitely not easy opponents. That's basically my point. So Steph leads the head-to-head against Taylor Fritz 2-0. to zero. Honestly, they're like they're both playing like such a level of tennis that mm-hmm. I don't know what could happen and I won't lie. I'm very obviously rooting for Taylor here mm-hmm. because he is just like you said, he's such a mush. He's a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um now, yeah, that's definitely going to be a fun match. I yeah, Stephanos, no one's really talking about him. Um but another round of 16 that we have coming up is the polar opposites of generations. Marin Chilich, the 27th seed, versus Felix Ojeda Aliassin, the 9th seed. Chilich 
is in the second week of a slam, which he, is for the 25th time in his this? career. But in this decade, like in the 2020s, we're seeing, I'm, I'm confused. But good for him, to be honest. He took out Rublev in four sets in the third round. I mean, Rublev is one of those guys who we're still waiting on to make that slam breakthrough. But as much as we can be happy about Chilich, you know, there, there is a problem because Josefita, you've like you, you find him, you, you've no, been no, 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 His finding own... him. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Don't finish been... that sentence. Don't finish that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> it's just I was so you know inspired by mm-hmm. his celebration after the Rublev match. He completely mm-hmm. jumped like five feet out of into the air. You know, mm-hmm. pumping his fists in the air, kicking up just mm-hmm. crazy you know so much fire and mm-hmm. so much emotion and passion that went into that mm-hmm. match and it really shows what the game means to him you know mm-hmm. being a person that has done well on tour before and like you said sure. in this decade to be doing well again it just mm-hmm. shows like you know yep. how much a person with yep. a long tennis career like yep. how much winning means <laughs> to them still <laughs> I'm sure. done. I'm done. I guess I guess I won't disclose what Josephina texted me along with a picture of Chilich winning, but that's a video after he won of his match point. We won't have we don't have to disclose that. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Some it's things okay. are for between co-hosts only. <laughs> <laughs> um on that note, Felix O'Shea <laughs> My aunt listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, like his fellow Canadian Dennis Shapovalov, FAA is back at it. They both kind of share this taking out the Zverev trash hobby. I mean, Felix did it at the ATP Cup and Wimbledon, I think. Um, so let's take a moment to appreciate Felix's growth. I mean, in the past three slams, he's made the quarterfinal or better Wimbledon quarters, U.S. Open semis, and now at a ch- with a chance to make the quarters at the Australian Open. I saw a tweet earlier that said that what if Felix's first title is No no, no I'm not gonna they, complete they it. They said this I, they said this, um you showed me one when the Djokovic drama was happening and somebody was like, FAA, where are you? It's your time to shine. I forgot yeah. when that was, but I remember you showed it to me like way before the Australian Open, like maybe two weeks yeah. before. But yeah. Well, I mean, it's possible. Um, I hope it happens. Um, he's also had a pretty tough draw. I mean, Rusevori, Davidovich Fukina, Dan Evans. But, I mean, I hope we're rooting for Felix in this. I hope your chillage phase isn't going to overshadow that. You know, when you mentioned the um, Wimbledon, I completely forgot that Denis Shapovalov made the semifinals of Wimbledon. He did too? Oh, yeah. yes, he did! Semifinals, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Losing to Djokovic, yes. So, um, I escaped that topic pretty well. Next up, we On have... On the topic of white boys who are currently gaining people's attention. Your let's attention. talk about Maxime. Your let's attention. Talk... <laughs> Speak for yourself, about... ma'am. <laughs> this is so embarrassing for me. Maxime Cressy. Um, he's going to be facing off against Daniil Medvedev, the second seed. And, I mean, every month, as people like to joke, Kenneth Twitter ends up falling in love with another ATP white boy. And it happens to be Maxime Cressy this time. A former UCLA Bruin. There's something about the US, U, U, UCLA Bruins in the Australian Open. I mean, Jennifer Brady, uh, Mackenzie McDonald, and now Maxime Cressy. Um, he was also the Melbourne Summer Set runner-up. And his signature is serving and volleying. Literally no one else does this now. And that's his whole shtick. Like, that's all he does. And okay, I respect he, that. Yeah, I mean, that his whole me thing is That makes me miss Taylor's Townsend. Oh my right. God. I miss her. And I mean, this is his kind of... Um, I mean, Taylor Townsend announced that she's planning to return to the tour at the Charleston tournament, that clay tournament. Let's so, go. Yeah. Let's go. Um, but, I mean, Cressy's whole thing is he wants to bring back serve and volley. He's super passionate about it. Um, he's actually leading the ATP tour with most match wins right now at 11. And 
He firmly believes that he's going to be top 10 and even world number one. He said in a press conference, I think I can be anyone and I can be number one in the world. I don't have a contract with a sponsor because I want to wait for the right moment. For example, when I will be a top 10. Will, will, will be what I will be. He knows he's confident. (laughs) Or cocky. It's cocky. Okay, Maxime, go off. (laughs) Um, And fun fact, Cressy actually grew up in France. So he gave this press conference fully in French and in English. So, I mean... Oh, is that why he has that name? Yes. Oh, that explains things. I was like, what? An American name with flavor? (laughs) 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 That explains that. Um, Yeah. Okay, something that I was just thinking about is... (laughs) So you know how let's go has an apostrophe? <laughs> what if players yelled out let us go every time they want to fuck? <laughs> I just find that so funny. I'm literally crying right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um Cressy will be facing off against second seed Daniel Midvader, who has taken <laughs> <laughs> who took out Nick Kyrgios and Botic Van de Zanschlup in his last two matches. Um, he's definitely the favorite to win this title, particularly without, especially without Djokovic not here. Um, but it really is a question of how Daniil is going to deal with the pressure. And, I mean, he's also definitely the favorite going into this match, but, I mean, Cressy has an, eclect- an eclectic style. Not many players play like that, so... We'll see how he does, but, I mean, it's interesting because Daniil has a lot of pressure on him to, as a favorite right now, but I'm just looking at the way people like Felix and Monfils and Berrettini and Shapovalov and Nadal are playing, and I'm just like, this feels kind of almost like a WTA slam. Like, I've sensed very similar I environments. I genuinely don't know who's gonna... Right, like, you have Barty, you have Daniil. But then you also have, like, Shwiatek and you have Rafa, who are kind of, like, the second favorites to mm-hmm. win. But then you have a good crop of other players playing really solid tennis who could really do it. Yeah. And honestly, the thing with uh, Medvedev and pressure, I always felt like he didn't care enough to feel pressure. <laughs> because, you know, he's just, he plays that way, he celebrates that way, so it's just the vibes that he gives off. And honestly, that's something that we love about him, but um, we're definitely rooting for him. But um, yeah, like we talked about in the WTA section, we're going to talk about how our, you know, favorites kind of fared and how they've done. But um, most of our favorites have done so, so well. Like we have Felix, Osher, Eliasim, FAA, Chapo, Daniel, Rafa, Demon, Yannick, Gael, Mateo, Taylor, and usually we're listing like two names at this point <laughs> in a Grand Slam. But uh, finally, we have like most of our faves through, except for one. Except for one. Um, so this is this is really hard to talk about, actually. Do you but, need a tissue? Uh, I already got one from when I died laughing about "Let Us Go." Um, <laughs> so funny but um yeah that player is sebastian corda who lost another really... atp white boy Shh, don't <laughs> generalize like that <laughs> he lost in a four setter to um pablo carreño busta i tried to stay up watching the match because they delayed his match one hour and a half i just couldn't stay up that late so i ended up staying up until 2 a.m on a school night so that really shows how much um i care about my boyfriend and i really have gone around in school telling people that sebastian corda is my boyfriend because i have a picture of him on the back of my phone yeah see this is this is when crisis intervention needs to begin um okay and with that (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about who the favorites are to win this title. We kind of went through this already. I mean, Daniil and Rafa are definitely the top faves, but I also think that whoever comes out of the Gael Mateo um, quarterfinal, a grants, I would. I my would. mom has said that she wants Gael Monfils and Madison Keys to win. 
And I was like, you are not wrong. I would be thrilled with that. So we have it on record. So we'll see how that plays out. Okay. And then, of course, like we said before, I mean, Felix's first title being a Grand Slam would be insane. I mean, he needs to step it up now while Djokovic is out of the picture. And then we have Shapovalov, who, like I said, he's made the semifinal of a Grand Slam before. You know, he's making consistent results now. He's now into the quarterfinals of another Grand Slam. That's a great result. Can he step it up, like, continue to play that way? Because that's always been the issue with him. And honestly, I think he can. So let's see how this goes. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the rest of the Australian Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the Australian Open wraps up and a new winner is crowned down under. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Travia. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs> <laughs>